welcome. Thank you for being with us. Thank you for gathering us, whether you're online or here in person. We're so glad that we get to come together on the first day of the week. Right? There's something special about God's people gathering because we know that we are joining something bigger than ourselves. We know that right now across the globe there are churches that take this time of the, of the week. The day of the Lord is what the early church called it. It's the Resurrection Sunday. And it was a tradition for thousands of years that God's people would come together on a day beginning our weeks and giving God the glory, giving God the praise and learning from Holy Scripture. So we get to partake in that. We get to join them with all the church around the world. We get to be part of that. And that's what this moment is. That's what this time is about. So whether you're watching online, you are part of the bigger thing that we could ever imagine. And that is God's global church. Amen? Amen. Amen. Well, hey, I want to begin with kind of addressing an issue right now that, that's happening in our, in our region, in our state. You know, last week I mentioned that we were getting ready to launch our second in-person service because we're running out of room. We're also, we're excited to launch our kids' ministry back, and, um, and that was exciting stuff. But based on right now's uh, numbers of COVID that are rising in our county and in our state, we're going to take a pause on that for right now. And it's kind of a bummer because we were preparing and getting ready to, to do some new things and to expand in new areas, but, but we're going to take a pause. We know that today the governor is going to address um, this issue, and we're going to wait and see. We're going to wait and see, and then we'll respond, and we'll let you guys know as soon as we find out what our new uh, regulations would be, if they have any changes in regards to what we're used to doing right now. So we'll let you guys know. So keep looking on our social media platforms and keep checking our website. We'll make sure that we make it clear and direct for you to understand on how we're staying connected, how we're gathering in forms of worship. So, so just be mindful of that, but please keep us in prayer because we're making quick decisions in very quick times. And, and so just be, be mindful of that. And um, I'm just so thankful. And I just want to say that thank you so much, Grace Church community, for for supporting us both in prayer and in your giving. Like, I've just been so impressed on your resilience, your adaptability, and, and just, just your willingness to just be behind us no matter what direction that we're heading towards in this unknown time in our world. And um, I want to see if I can, somebody can close the door over here, getting a little bit distracted by that. But, um, but we know that this is an important time, and, and I know it's a little bit of a bummer for many families that have been looking forward to us being able to open our kids' ministry, but, you know, we're, we're preparing to do that very soon, so, so we'll keep you posted. Let's begin with prayer. Can we do that? Father, we thank you for this opportunity to come together. We already know that your presence is at work. Lord, I ask you, Father, that every heart will be open today as we get into your word, that, that it would fall on good soil, the good soil of our hearts. So, Father, lead us, teach us, protect us, and fill us. In your holy name, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Well, we are in week three of our series that we've been in this month called Unstuck. Here we say Unstuck. Stuck. Now, nobody likes being stuck. And I say that every week because it's so true. No one likes being stuck. Nobody likes being stuck in one place. We, I think, are people who like to move. We like activity. We like motion. And so if you haven't been part of this series with us, if you haven't been able to see where we're at, let me just catch you up to speed here. We've been in the book of Exodus. Many of us are familiar with the great book Exodus that, that chronicles uh, not only Moses' life, but on how God delivered the nation of Israel out of the bondage of Egypt and moved them into the land of promise. 
Now, through this series, we've been just parking in the beginning stages of Moses' calling. We've been focusing in on the first couple of chapters of this book because we see in that that even though Moses made a mistake, even though Moses made some wrong decisions, and that, that caused him to move away and feel distant from God, seemed like he was farther away from God's calling, God still decided to use him. God still decided to take this man and, and, and restore him and bring him back to his calling. That's such an encouraging story for us. That no matter where life leads us, no matter where we find ourselves, God can still use us. That's good stuff. That's good news. And we see that here he thought God calling passed him up and yet God meets him right in that spot. You could say that Moses was stuck, but God came and made this man unstuck. And God met him on the backside of this mountain got his attention, and called him into an extraordinary task. Many of you are familiar with the story, with where, how it all began. Last week, we talked about him getting stuck in his lack of confidence. When God called him to such a great task, Moses was struggling with insecurity, struggling with his confidence. And, and I told us last week that sometimes we can feel the same way when God calls us to extraordinary things. When God calls us up and calls us out, many times we doubt that calling because we too, are too focused on our own abilities and our own strengths. But we have to remember when he calls us, he equips us, and he is the one that wants us to focus on his ability and his strength. And that's really what last week's message was all about. And what I love about this story and why it's so important for us to remember the beginning, because we know that he is a giant in our faith. Moses is, is, is a hero of our faith. He did extraordinary things for God. He was a great leader, a great, a great man of God. But I love that we see the humble beginnings of this man. I'm glad that we see that God spiritually developed him through his life. Aren't you glad that God does that? Aren't you glad that we don't just come and, and we, don't get, we don't have to wait till we arrive or we feel like we're ready for God to use us, but that God can take us as we are and develop these things in us and prepare us along the way. That's the God that we serve. I also think that this is a great story because it helps us understand this, is that God's plans are always greater and always bigger than our own plans for our lives. And God wants to do these things in our lives. He wants to do things that are greater and bigger than we could ever imagine. And what we see in the life of Moses is that God can do those things when a life is totally surrendered to him. And that's what we learn. But I love the fact that God still takes his followers those that have a surrendered heart to him, and he takes us through seasons of spiritual development. Now last week, or on week one, I, I, I said this tag, and I, and I just believe it with all my heart, is that, is that God loves you the way you are right now. And some of us need to hear that today, that, that because some of us just feel like we're just not worthy of that. We, we may not be where we want to be, and we know that there's so much more, but I'm telling you that God loves you exactly the way you are right now. If you're watching online, maybe you've not checked in the church for a very long time and you feel really guilty right now, but you feel like you've got you to gotta come back. You, you have this yearning in your heart to come back in relationship with God. Yeah, you're just like, well, God, accept me. I'm telling you, God loves you exactly the way you are, where you are. But he also loves you enough to not keep you there. We also serve a God who wants to move us and grow us and develop us. That's the God we serve. God wants momentum in a person's life. He wants growth in a person's life. That's why the Apostle Paul would remind the church in, in scriptures like this, in verses like this, like in 1 Philippians, or Philippians chapter 1, 
Verse 6, he says, being confident in this. Like, you can put your, you, you can bank on this. You can put your confidence in this, is that he who began a good work will carry it out to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. I love that verse. That's, a, that's an important verse to highlight in your Bible, is that he who began a good work will finish it. God will continue what he started. Well, today we're going to pick up the story of Moses' life. And we're going to dive into Exodus chapter 5. Exodus chapter 5. And this morning's message, this morning's theme is this, is that we have to learn not to get stuck in moments of disappointment. Moments of disappointment. We know that in life there will be times where we will be disappointed with news, with people. Life will bring disappointment. And what happens sometimes for believers is that we tend to think that if we're following God's will, if we're following after God, if we're doing what he says, if we obey his commandments, we tend to think that we will no longer have challenges, that we will no longer have setbacks, that we will never have to worry about disappointments. Now, we will never say this out loud because, of course, we know that life will bring those things. But somehow in our, in our actions and in our faith, we kind of tend to think this idea that why would I expect disappointments when I am following God's will? If I'm in God's will, why would, why would I ever be disappointed in that? I'm following God's will, if I'm following God's call, if I'm stepping out in faith. If God is at work in my life, then how, how can I possibly ever be disappointed? And I want to tell you, number one, is that disappointments are not a determining factor to measure whether God loves you or not, or what he thinks of you. And it's also not a determining factor whether you're in God's will or not. Now, we tend to, uh, when we go through things that are hard, things unexpected, things that don't make sense to us, we, we kind of cling on to things. We kind of cling on to scriptures and we hold on to these things that just kind of help lessen the sting of those moments. When things don't go the way we hoped. We go to this verse in the book of Romans. I think some of you know what I'm talking about. Romans 8. There's a verse in there that I think that we go to, that we cling to in times where we don't feel like things are going the way they should and to console ourselves, we, we look to it. It's Romans 8.28 that says that we know that in all things, God works for the good for those who love him, who are called according to his purposes. I know some of us will take that verse and we'll take that. And we tend to think, and we probably tell each other, or somebody's probably told you this. They say, they say you know what? When things go wrong, when, things are, when you're in a time of disappointment, they might come up to you and they might say, you know what, all things happen for a reason. Anybody here hear that? Kind of want to punch them in the face. <laughs> all right, that's hard news. That's hard. And they're just smiling. All things happen for a reason. Basically, what we're saying is that there is good in every situation. That's what we're trying to say. But let me tell you, that's bad theology. Because God is not the author of sin and evil. You have to remember that. Some things happen for no reason other than that there is sin and evil in the world. And God is not the author of those things. We cause hardships in our own lives and in other people's lives because of the decisions that we make. That's life. We get it. We understand this so well if we've lived longer than a day. It's like if you, you know, lose a home because maybe you didn't have the means to keep up that home. And and you might say to yourself, well, you know, 
It happened for a reason. It was, it, it was meant to be this way. No, it was never meant to be that way. It was our choices that disappointed us. Something that we decided to do that was unwise and unfoolish was the source of our disappointments. This verse that I just read in Romans 8, 28, is really saying that God is big enough and God is great enough that in spite of those things, God is able to take that thing and he'd be able to work through that to bring him glory, to bring glory to his name, and to make sure that those that trust in him will not be put to shame. That's what that scripture means. That's what it's challenging us and reminding us of, whether it's in this life or the life of to come. In fact, when Paul writes this, he says, all things, all things. Which means that a Christ follower, someone who follows Jesus, will experience all things. The good and the bad, the victories and the defeats and happiness and the disappointments. That's why Paul continues to talk about this theme, about us to be resilient people, to be able to press through times that are challenging for us, to build something in us that's harder, that's, that's, that's stronger inside of us, that the Spirit of God is developing in us. And that's why a few verses down in verse 37, he says, No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. We are more than conquerors. I thought about that this week, and I said, what does this mean to be more than a conqueror? Because what, what do we know about being a conqueror? A conqueror is somebody who overcomes, a person who gets through something. And yet he's describing the Christian life as saying that we have the power of the Holy Spirit in us to be more than that. How do you become more than that? Let me tell you how. Many of us have experienced times where we've gone through something, but on the other end of it, we feel defeated and depleted, don't we? And what he's saying is to be more than conquerors is that you can get through something, but in Christ, when you get through it, there's always an increase in your life. That's the promise that God gives us. So we can become more than conquerors through him, Jesus, who gives the strength to endure. Anytime you go through a hardship, anytime, that's why James tells us that, that we need to rejoice when things are hard. We need to rejoice when we are challenged, when we are persecuted. I'm like, how do you rejoice? Because you know that God is developing some capacity in you. God is developing something in you. You're going to be better on the other end. I know at the time it doesn't feel like it, but God is doing something because his, he's being glorified. He's, he's growing in you. He's teaching you about yourself, about him. And you're experiencing him like something that you would never have been able to experience before. So you are more than a conqueror. Through Christ who gives us strength. So life fact number one, that in Christ, life in Christ, we will, we will, sorry to tell you, face disappointments. We will experience disappointments. But we will never be a disappointed people. Because God is a rewarder to those who put their trust in him. That's the truth. We will suffer losses, but God promises us that even in that moment, that is not the end. God still has a plan. Still, God still has a purpose. God could still work through those things for the good. So when disappointments come in our life, which we know that we will face, we can easily, if not looking at it in the right lens through Scripture, then we can get stuck. It can get lodged into our faith, and it can cause us to, to slow down in our faith, slow down in the process of what God is doing to mature us and to grow us in the faith. It can slow us down, and we can get stuck. And it will stunt our growth and our maturity. So today we're going to see how this could have happened to Moses when he was met with disappointment. And what we'll learn is how do we deal with things when, when we are disappointed, when they don't turn out the way we hoped for, the way we thought, the way we expected. 
And I just suspect that there may be one or two people in this room or watching online that may have faced some disappointment this year or maybe this week. And I'm glad you're tuned in I, because you need to work through this. We can't just deny that it's happening to us, but that we have to acknowledge that because God wants us to work. He wants us to work with him and what he's doing. You know, you may have trusted God with something and believed with all your heart, yet it still hasn't happened yet. You might, you might have prayed for somebody to be healed and they haven't got healed yet. You might have prayed that, that, the, that the marriage that you've been struggling with, that, that, that it, would, it, would, it would get reconciled and yet you've been faced with divorce papers. You, you may have been praying about that job situation and nothing has happened. Or maybe that job hasn't came and, and you're wondering, you're saying, God, I just feel disappointed. And on the outside you're smiling, but on the inside you're struggling. You're saying, God, why? What's going on? What do you do with those feelings? What do you do with those thoughts? What do you do with that time? Well, that's what my hope is for you this morning is to have some clarity and learn how to work through that. We need real talk with real issues. Now, I just know that there's some hearts that are heavy this morning, and I just want to do another prayer just for these hearts that are watching and maybe sitting in this room right now. Father, I pray, Lord, you said that you draw near to the brokenhearted God. Maybe some of us have been brokenhearted based on some disappointing news and situations in our life. I pray that you acknowledge, or they acknowledge the fact that, God, they are hurting, they are broken, God, but they, you're the one, the source that can give them life and heal them and restore them and give them the hope today. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, when disappointment happens, we need to remember this, is that God wants to work in ways that go beyond our expectations. Oh, what I'm going to share with you is not probably something new, but it's just things that you need to be reminded of is that we all understand this. That's why Ephesians says this. It says that now to him who's able to do immeasurably more than we ask or imagine according to what? His power. That what? That works within us. We are given that. That's what he promises us. But we have to understand this, that his ways are not our ways. I mean, that's probably one of the biggest struggles in our faith is that his, we don't always understand the way God does things. We're just told to trust him in those things because he is always good. But his scale and his scope is something that we cannot phantom. Why? Because we are so limited. We're limited in time and space. We're limited in our understanding of how all things work out together. But we have one who has it all figured out. But we cannot fully comprehend God's perspective and how God sees things. And this is the reason that no matter what happens in our life, no matter whether we're either going up or going down or feeling anywhere in between, we need to hold on to this foundational truth when we walk with the Lord, is that God is sovereign and God is always at work even if we do not see it or feel it. I mean, so many times, man, we struggle with that because we don't feel the goosebumps. We don't see the action, but that's not to say that God's not working. We have to believe that God is always working. God is always working for our good. Now, as we're looking at the life of Moses, and as we've been exploring this man's walk of faith and how he has, was challenged, number one, when God called him to such a great task, and we see him doubting this, doubting himself, yet God was able to work through that by building up his confidence. And in chapter 5, we see that this man finally gets confidence. He finally gets the boldness to step out in faith and believe in God and trust him, and he returns back to Egypt. That was a hard thing, wasn't it? What he had to face, what he had to endure, what he had to overcome to actually start heading back down to Egypt. But he does exactly what God's called him to do. Now, the first thing he does when he gets to Egypt 
as he goes straight to the Israelites. He straight, goes straight to God's people. And he tells them about the burning bush moment, which sounds crazy and probably ridiculous. But he shares with them what happened and what God said. He tells them that God hears their prayers and that God was going to free them from captivity. Now, I'm sure that Moses probably was expecting some pushback, some argument. He was probably on the defensive and thinking, man, this is going to be tough to talk them into to, to doing this and trusting. But what happens? The people don't respond that way. They respond opposite of what he thought, what he feared. Remember, he was fearful of what would they say? How would I prove that I'm, from, that I'm sent from you? Well, once they hear the news, they rejoice. They start to worship. Can you imagine the confidence builder that that was for Moses? That he's already seen some fruit of his obedience. That he steps out, he tells them, they respond in such an amazing way. They start worshiping God. Optimism spreads throughout the camp of the Israelites. Moses' faith begins to grow because it's happening exactly the way he thought it would happen. So the next step is to go to the palace to see Pharaoh. And that's where our story picks up today. Exodus chapter 5, starting in verse 1. It says, After Moses and Aaron went to the Pharaoh and said, This is what the Lord, the God of Israel, said. This is the famous line. Let my people go, so that they may hold a festival to me in the wilderness. Pharaoh said, Who is the Lord, that I should obey him and let Israel go? I do not know the Lord and will not let Israel go. This was not what Moses expected, especially after talking to the Israelites and seeing their response. The Israelites responded positively, but Pharaoh, he gets insulted. Remember Moses' conversation with God. He says, who am I that I may step in front of Pharaoh? Who am I that I would go in front of Pharaoh? And now Pharaoh plays into all his insecurity in that moment and says, basically, who are you and who is your God? Never heard of you. Never heard of him. What a rejection. See, what happens here is in the ancient world, the ancient mentality here about their religions and their gods, they, they equated this. They said that, that um, their gods had power based on the position and the, and, and, and the resources of the people that worshiped them. And so according to Pharaoh, he was looking at his people, he was looking at his position of power and authority over the Israelites, and he was saying, our God is bigger than your God. Why? Because you guys are slaves and you guys are in poverty. So, so you don't have any authority in this realm. So who are you? Why would I listen to you based on the position that your God puts you in? That's basically what Pharaoh is saying. By what authority do you come to me? But Moses responds to Pharaoh, verse 3, he says, Then they, meaning Moses and Aaron, said, The God of the Hebrews has met with us. Now let us take a three-day journey into the wilderness to offer sacrifices to the Lord our God, that he may strike us with plagues or with a sword. Now let me tell you, this took a lot of guts for Moses to get this brave. He didn't just come with confidence, but he came with conviction. And he's standing before Pharaoh. And Moses is being so obedient and he's doing everything God's asked him to do. It says, but the king of Egypt said, Moses and Aaron, why are you taking the people away from their labor? Go back to your work. Then Pharaoh said, look at the people of the land are numerous, and you are stopping them from working. Pharaoh gets furious. Then the same day, Pharaoh gave the orders to the slave drivers and overseers charge of the people. He says, you are no longer to supply the people with straw for making bricks, but let them go and gather their own straw but require them to make the same number of bricks as before. Don't reduce the quota. 
They are lazy. This is why they are crying out, let us go and sacrifice to our God. Make the work harder for the people so that they can keep working and pay no attention to the lies. It kind of goes on to say that that this was an impossible task for them to, to labor this hard and keep the same numbers that they were producing. Out of his anger, Pharaoh ratcheted up and made things harder for these people. You look in this moment where Moses was being obedient. He was doing everything God said. He was doing everything that God told him to do. And yet things went from bad to a whole lot worse. Moses did God's will. He did it God's way. And things got worse. Have you ever had that happen to you before? Where you're just faithfully obedient, faithfully trying to do the right things, and all of a sudden, like, just things went from bad to worse. And I think that if for all of us, if we're honest with ourselves, we get tempted in those moments to, to just stop believing, to give up, to back off, to stop praying. There's many times in my life where I felt like I was walking in the right steps, man, but I felt more opposition. And what we have to understand this is this is one thing that's really important for all of us. And sometimes we lose sight of this because we cannot see this happening. But there is times where there is spiritual warfare at play. There is a spiritual war happening around us. And it's battling against our faith. Our faith in God. What do I mean by that? There is an enemy of our soul that tries to keep us in bondage. And so he'll try to ratchet up the pressure to make us want to give up. There is an agenda out there that's trying to get you to stop fulfilling God's call in your life. And the enemy knows that God has power and he knows that God works even when we don't see it or feel it. He knows that God is powerful and he fights so hard to discourage us so that we would stop doing the work. When we feel opposition, we need to understand that the enemy feels very threatened. I, I think this, I think sometimes... The enemy expresses more faith in what God can do than we can do, than we do. I think so. That's why he comes up against us so hard, because he knows what God can do. And so he wants you to be intimidated by that. He wants to have you stop praying, stop trusting, stop doing what is right. He wants you to stay in that disappointed state and start blaming God. He wants you stuck. So what do we do when disappointment happens? When we go through that moment, when we're tempted to give up, when we're tempted to, to pull back, we need to press in a little harder because we need to understand that we are no threat to him if we're stuck. And he knows it. There are a lot of things that do not happen in a person's life, not because God does not want it to happen, but it's that because that person stops believing in God for it to happen. And you get tempted to just pull back. And, and, and what I see that starts to happen in a person's life is that they, they start to, to lack that faith that God placed in them. They start to suppress it. And so when there's people praying for a need, when there's people praying, they just pull back because they're like, eh, I don't think God does that. Because they've been stuck in their disappointment. They can't celebrate the testimonies of others because they're still stuck and sitting in their disappointment. And it really starts to hinder them at all different levels. You see it. And I think that if you're not careful, that slowly makes us feel like we're numb to the things that God wants to do. When that becomes a permanent state of a person's heart, 
is eventually we become spirit, we have spiritual apathy. And the enemy knows that. He knows that when he gets us to that place, we're stuck and we're no threat to him. The truth of the matter is that we live in a fallen and broken world. And we know that we wrestle not against flesh and bone, but against spiritual powers in dark places. We know that there is something going on, and there is, that is true, that, there, that we have to combat those spiritual forces. How do we do that? By staying faithful to God. Even when we don't understand, even if we can't see how he's working, we have to trust and believe that he is still working. And we got to fight through those feelings. I want to tell something, you got to fight through those feelings. You got to be able to trust God, the God who saved you, the God who loves you, the God who's called you, the God who says that I will stand with you. You need to trust in those moments of disappointment. You may not understand why it's happening. You might understand how it happened, but you're just going to trust in God that he's with you, that he's not left you. We get disappointed when our expectations are not met. When things go from bad to worse and it shocks us for the moment, we turn to this thought to think maybe God's not in it, maybe that's not God. But let me tell you, that isn't, just because it wasn't part of your plan doesn't mean it was not part of God's plan. Because his, his ways are higher than ours. And so when opposition happens, we need to understand that there is a spiritual thing happening. And it's testing and pushing, and you need to stay faithful. Goes on to say that the Israelite overseers realized that they were in trouble when they were told you are not to reduce the number of bricks required for each day. But when they left Pharaoh, they found Moses and Aaron. So, so they're going through this, and then they find Moses and Aaron, and they run to, him, to them. And they say, may the Lord look on you with judgment. You have made us obnoxious to Pharaoh and his officials, and you have put a sword in their hands to kill us. Can you imagine how Moses felt <laughs> being confronted with this? Oh, man. He, that he was the cause of more suffering for his people. Can you imagine the disappointment that he felt and what he had to work through in that moment? He's like, no, I mean, he was probably trying to explain, trying to, and, and, and everything, they were attacking him. They're saying, man, you've made it worse on us. Who do you think you are? I mean, he was struggling. And so what does he do? This is the last verse of that chapter. It says, Moses then returned to the Lord. He came back to the Lord and he called out and he says, why, Lord, have you brought trouble to, on this people? Is this why you sent me? Ever since I went to Pharaoh to speak in your name, he has brought trouble to the, on this people and you have not rescued your people at all. Wow. So he comes to God, not in an I told you so prayer, but in a why, Lord, prayer. Have you ever had that moment? He's sitting there going, man, I did what you asked me to do, yet things got worse. You know, if we're not careful, we look at this moment, we're like, man, this is a faith-shattering moment for him. But the fact that he was coming to God for help, for answers, for comfort, tells me that this was actually a faith-building moment in his life. At that moment, we see a key here of how we are able to walk through times of disappointment, how we can not be stuck in our disappointment. And what is that? By coming to God with those disappointments. By, by not getting stuck, but bringing it to him. Have you ever read David's psalms? <laughs> a lot of his psalms started out with him venting his disappointments. He came to God and said, God, why is this happening? God, I can't. And let me tell you, if you want to move beyond these moments of disappointments, even though we can't understand why, we got to go to God. we got to explain to him, say, God, this is how I feel. This is what's going on. I'm telling you, God's big enough to hear us in those prayers. And he'll listen. And in this passage, you don't see God rebuke him or correct him. 
But what does God do? How does God respond? God responds with saying, I'm not done yet. I'm not done yet. It's okay right now that I know you feel disappointed now, but I'm not done yet, which means it's not over. And I still have a plan. Look how God responds. Exodus chapter 6. He says this, therefore, this is what God tells him. He says, I am the Lord, and I will bring you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians. I will free you from being slaves to them. I will redeem you with an outstretched arm with my mighty acts of judgment. I will take you as my own people. I will be your God. Then you will know that I am the Lord, your God, who brought you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians, and I will bring you to the land I swore with uplifted hands to give to Abraham, to Isaac, to Jacob. I will give it to you as a possession for I am the Lord God, Yahweh. In other words, God's saying, I am God. I am a God of my word. Didn't we sing that a little while ago? His faithfulness, he is the God of his word. And he's saying, I am faithful to my word, not just to you, but throughout generations. Do you know that we serve a God who's faithful to his word throughout generations? And he says, and my promise that I made many years before to Abraham still stands today. That's what God's declaring. So when we get stuck in our disappointment, it's because we forget of God's faithfulness. We forget of what God promised. And when you read through the scripture, and this is going to be a whole other sermon topic, but he says, I will seven times. He says, I will take you out of the enemy's grip. I will make you free. I will redeem you and restore you. I will make you a mighty nation. I will give you more than you asked for. I will build a relationship with you, and I will give you a place of your own. I will. Because I am. Right? God says, when God says, I will, you can bank on that. God is promising. God is putting that on him. I will. So when Moses comes with the complaints, God responds with his promise. Now, God will respond to us in multiple ways. That's what I've learned about my walk with God. So sometimes it's when it's immediate in the time of prayer. Sometimes as, I, as I'm going through scripture, God just brings something out and just restores my, my faith in him because it's just exactly what I needed right on time. Anybody ever have that experience before? Sometimes it comes with a phone call. Sometimes it comes with a text where God uses another believer to, to bring you back to the place of remember God's promise to you. Remember what the word of God says because it lasts, it stands true. God will respond and his response is always clear and it's always on time. We need to remember that, friend. We need to encourage each other in moments where we feel disappointed. God is faithful to his promises. So don't give up and don't stay stuck. You know, this week, I, I was getting ready to meet with my staff, and there was a verse that kept popping, popping up in my mind and my heart. And I knew it was for me. But I also knew it was for us. And it's the verse is in Galatians chapter 6, verse 9. And it says, let us not become weary in doing good. For at the proper time, we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. And I just really felt like that was the word by the Spirit to us. Do not get weary in doing good. Because at a proper time, we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Now when the Bible says, not to become tired or weary, that means that some things will take a little longer than we expect. Right? Isn't that what it's saying? And it might come in a moment of disappointment that it's not happening the time we wanted it to happen. And we'll be tempted in that moment to give up. That's why the scripture is so important. But he urges us to keep going. He urges us 
to keep doing what's right. And he says at the proper time, at an appointed time. Now, the Greek word there is kairos. And, and, and what that word means is, like, is that it is a God-ordained, a God-predestined time that God has set for this thing to happen. And it's not just for this thing to happen, but it's, 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 it's something that God will use to transform the situation. That's what the kairos moment means. And so I challenged our team. I said, I said, well, we surrender our timelines and our expectations to God's kairos moment. And I want to ask you the same thing. That maybe you're sitting here and you're struggling with disappointment because things didn't work out in the time frame that you have established for yourself. And I want to ask you, will you trust God's kairos moment for your life? This time he set appointed. And that's what he's telling Moses right now. He says, he says, I know you're disappointed in this moment. I know it feels right now. Everything looks like things are from bad to worse. But get ready because this is my kairos moment to set my people free. Some of us give up and we don't realize that we're in a moment of God breaking through. God breaking out. God doing the thing. And he's setting Moses up. He's setting the people up. He's getting them ready to make this journey across the wilderness to that place he promised. He's getting ready. Everything has been appointed. This is the set time. And yet if Moses stayed in that disappointment, he would have never seen what God can do. And yet he held on. He brought it to God. But he trusted in the Kairos moment of God. God built us for something better, something greater. That's why Paul can write, a man of who knew suffering, who was acquainted with suffering, probably lots of disappointment, probably some hardships. We know what he'd gone through. And yet the same man was able to encourage the church from a prison cell in Romans 5. And he says this, he says, well, we can rejoice too when we run into problems and trials. When we run into setbacks, when we run into times that disappoint us and things that happen that we can't explain. But we know that it's in that time, that in those moments, it helps us develop endurance. Friends, we need to learn to develop endurance. And endurance develops strength of character. And character strengthens our confident hope of salvation. And this hope will not lead to disappointment. For we know that how dearly God loves us because he has given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with his love. The Kairos moment is not just getting through something, but the Kairos moment is that God is trying to, to do something more in us. It's not just about what he wants us to do, but it's who he wants us to become. To what he wants us to be. And this was important for it to play out the way it did for Moses because God was built in this man to lead this nation. To stand strong. This wasn't the only time he was going to hit a challenge in his walk with the Lord. This was just the beginning, but God was building them up and getting them ready. What if God's doing the same with us right now? What if in the moment that you're in right now, maybe you see it with a bigger perspective and just trust that God is working things out for the good, right? For our good. Maybe God has a definition, different definition of how it's going to play out. I kind of think he does. Are you willing to trust him? Are you willing to trust in his sovereignty? Are you willing to trust in his love? Because he's given us the Holy Spirit, right? That's the down payment. That's the seal. That shows us how much he loves us, that he lets his spirit dwell in us. That he gave his son Jesus to die for us. That he's promised us all these things. He says in him, Christ, everything is, all the promises are yes and amen. You are equipped. You are capable. You can do this. But we have to learn how to endure so that we can build character, so that we can build this trust and this hope that will not lead to disappointment. If you're here in this room, stand online. Can you take a moment? If you're in this room, can you take a moment to stand?
I just want to pray for maybe some of us that are struggling this time and we want to pull back, we want to quit, we want to let up. God's saying, will you press in? Will you lean in? Will you trust me? Maybe you're hitting a moment right now where there's something that's disappointing. We're, we want to take a time to pray for you. Maybe others, maybe you feel like you're on the other side of that. And maybe God wants to use you to be an encourager this week. That God wants you to have your eyes wide open for those that may feel like they're going through some tough moments. God wants you to bring a reminder of his promises to that heart. So can we all be available for that? So can we just close our eyes, bow our heads in this moment, and we're going to bring it before God. So if there's anybody here, Father, I pray that any heart that is heavy, I pray, God, that now they would just come, and this moment would be a special moment for them to let go, to bring it to you, to say, God, I need you to work through this emotion that I have, this feelings that I have, this letdown that I've been working through, God, but I know that you are faithful, God. God, I want this more than just a words and a song that I sing, but I want it to be an action of my heart right now, a full declaration of faith that I believe that you are at work, that I can trust you with this. And God, I pray for those of us, God, that may have gone through some things. We know your faithfulness, God, but Lord, you want to use this this week to encourage someone. Will you bring that person to mind right now, Lord? Who in our life, God, needs to hear this encouragement of your faithfulness and your promises, God? That needs to hear that you have helped us overcome things and this is the word of our testimony that's going to help transform that person's perspective. Will you stir that up this week? Will you help us not be silent, not shy away from these opportunities that you will use your church to bring freedom and clarity to this person's life? We pray a covering over their heart. Teach us to be brave and strong, to be a bright light in this world continue to share your faithfulness to those that will hear our hearts. We love you, God. In Jesus' name, are we said? Amen, amen. Can we give God the glory for his faithfulness right now in our lives and the life of the church? God is so good. God is so good. And God is doing something amazing in our community. So let's plug in, let's lean in, and let's stay connected. God bless you. We'll see you next week. Remember, check our platforms on social media and our website. We'll give you some news if anything changes. God bless.